You know, we've been doing a series in the Northwest on the ministry of Jesus. Preaching, teaching, healing. You know, very grateful for Shade and Steve and their prayers and their thoughts. I thought that was excellent, just really reminding us our responsibility to, um, to be open and, and certainly to be sharing our faith and, and then to give back and, and give to, back to God and to build the kingdom through our giving. But we're about a ministry to preach to a lost world, to keep the saved saved, to encourage, to heal, to love, to serve. And I want to talk about a theme here. We're going to read a parable on preparation. But before I read this parable of Jesus, I want to ask you, how do you prepare for work? Or perhaps you're going to school. How do you prepare for school? We have a lot of different occupations in this room. We have a lot of different individuals, maybe going to school, different programs, or different jobs, and, and some jobs, maybe there's no preparation that you have to put into. Some of you think I don't put any preparation in my lessons. And it wasn't those who laughed, it was those who didn't laugh. You know, perhaps some of you don't prepare for a test. Perhaps some of us have a long list of things that we have to do to just to get ready to work. You know, we have a number of police officers in this, uh, in this region. Can imagine going to work, like, I wonder if I have bullets in my gun. <laughs> maybe, your, maybe your captain only gives you one bullet to take out. You know, maybe my, I, I forgot my jacket, my flak jacket, or my pr protective vest. You know, I'm not sure if I have gas in the car, the squad, the squad car. You know, you can go through the different things. It's like, you know what, if you're going to do a good job, you've got to prepare. You know, uh, taking a test, what kind of preparation do you put into it? You know, my sermons, literally, I, I put in five, ten hours on my lessons. What do you do to prepare? You go to Jim Taylor, anesthesiologist. Oh, he just shows up. Really? So just think about it. Preparation. To be prepared when you do a job. You know, Jesus, again, he does a, a parable. He's at the end of his ministry. He's ready to be crucified soon. He knows he's going to die. And so he gives a parable. And, he, and he's talking to the Jews. And he's trying to get the Jews to understand is that they have got to be prepared. Now, on the flip side, Matthew writes about this because Matthew is talking to the church at that time, probably 50 years after Jesus has died, 40 to 50 years, talking to the early church. But Matthew not is only writing to the Christians who are reading about being prepared, he's also writing for us today. Let me ask you a question. How do you get prepared for Jesus? I just want you to think about that for a second. How do you get prepared for Jesus? Let's look at Matthew chapter 25. Here it says, Matthew 25, verse 1, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. 
but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But as midnight, but at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And see, this is a, this is a parable on preparation. You know, you can, you can look at commentaries, you can talk to people, and, you know, they start thinking, oh, the oil is the Holy Spirit, and, you know, and the vir- this virgins and this virgins, and, you know, it's at night, and the bridegroom, and like, whatever. Really? Parables usually just have one thought, one essence. And in this story, it's being prepared. Five were prepared, five weren't. Five were wise, five were foolish. Five were concerned with respecting the bridegroom. They gave thought to their responsibility, the honor that was given to them. They considered the options. They brought flasks of oil, extra oil. Five were not concerned. Five were not concerned with respecting the bridegroom. They did not give thought to their responsibility or the honor that was given them. They did not consider the options. They brought no extra oil. And so in this parable, five were prepared and five were not. You know, you think about trimming the lamps, bringing the oil. All ten fell asleep, and so the, the story really doesn't get down on that because it was a long time until the bridegroom came. But imagine having your lamp. And imagine knowing that you're being prepared for something and, and you got to trim the lamp and the lamp is burning and, it, and, it, and, the, and the, the leftover of the wick is there and if you want it to keep on burning, you got to trim off the, the old carbon residue that was left over for the wick. And you got to make sure that you have enough oil in there because your lamp's got to burn. And I can imagine these ten young girls showing up with their lamps. And I want to keep this in perspective for a second. Because earlier I asked you, what do you do to be prepared for your job or for your class? But we're not talking about work. We're not talking about school. We're talking about a party. All ten of these were invited to a party. A joyous celebration, a wedding banquet, food, music, fellowship. This is going to be a great time. But five were prepared and five were foolish. 
You know, this last week, many of us have been inconvenienced because of either flu or because of the weather. I literally had almost 10 appointments canceled because of the stinking ice. It was a frustrating week. And I remember Friday night, Edwin had like 20 guys coming to a poker night. Seven o'clock. We're playing poker in Capel. And I'm like, this is like the fourth, fifth day of ice and warm, ice and warm. And I'm like, I'm going to play poker. And I got prepared. He needed chairs. So I got the chairs and I put them by the door. He needed chips. I brought chips. He wanted a little side. I brought two jars of salsa. He texts, I need chips. I need ice. So I grabbed the bag of ice, I grabbed my chips, I got the chairs, I got the salsa, I had everything all lined up. Because see, I was so stinking tired of being locked up in the house. I needed some people time. And so I prepared. I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it, and you know, unfortunately, the weather was getting kind of bad that night. Oh, you shouldn't go. It's getting bad outside. The ice, the storms, the wrecks. But see, I was looking forward to the party. I wanted to be at that party. You know, I appreciate this morning we had the Galatian class, and, and you know, Mike was really just very, very open about, you know, why do we do things? I mean, why are we engaging? It's, it's not about these rules and regulations. It's like, man, we got a relationship with our Father in heaven, and everything we do is based on joy, excitement. And because of what we are a part of, we give our hearts readily. And I understand that. And so I prepared for the party that I was invited to at 7 o'clock on an icy, snowy day. So how do you get prepared for Jesus? What do you do? No, seriously, what do you do to get prepared for the party? And here's the thing, you can't say praying or reading your Bible. Well, Todd, I get prepared and I pray. All right. Todd, I get prepared by reading my Bible. Well, you know, right now, I'm reading Andrew, Andrew um, Roberts' book, A Napoleon, A Life. You know, that doesn't make me French. Some of you get that. Napoleon was French. Okay, I, I read last year, I read about Alex, or, uh, Peter the Great and Catherine the Great. That doesn't make me German or, or Russian. And see, just because you read the Bible doesn't make you a disciple. It really doesn't. Now, reading the Bible is a good thing. Praying is a good thing. But see, it doesn't make me French. So how do you prepare for the ministry of Jesus? How do you prepare? 
What do you do? I want to talk about three ways to get prepared for the ministry of Jesus. Three things that I believe out of 1 John that we can do because of the party that we're invited to. To get prepared for that big party, that excitement. Again, five understood the significance of what they were invited to, the honor that was given to all ten. And so they prepared for it. Whereas five didn't really care. They didn't really take serious the invitation that they were given. And so they were classified as foolish. Number one, walking in the light. And I think it's so funny that God put that on Shade's heart before I got up and talked about it, because we didn't talk about it. Basically, I said, hey, do this. I don't care what you do. Just do it. <laughs> Communion. I'm not going to micromanage you. And so, you know what? What was the first thing he talked about? Confession. Sin. Let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Walking in the light. Why? Because we're going to a party. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. God is light. And in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Walking in the light. One of the ways that we can prepare for the ministry of Jesus, one of the ways that we can prepare for Jesus is walking in the light. Why? Because we're invited to a party. And we don't want any darkness to be in us. Getting open about life. Getting open. We all go through things. You know, why does it surprise anybody that anybody in this room would struggle with sin? We're not perfect. None of us are close to being perfect. So there's, a, there's an openness about life and struggles and hardships. There's an openness about sin. Again, sin, Galatians 5, it's literally a list of separation. Separating us from God, separating us from each other, separating us from ourselves. Impurity, debauchery, greed, hatred, jealousy, sexual morality, impurity. These are all levels of separation. They separate us. Anger. Purity. Greed. Rebellion pride or maybe just classify them under faithlessness un, or faithlessness or unfaithfulness the twin sisters in the old testament 
When was the last time we got open about our marriage? Got open about what's going on in our hearts? Going, getting open about what comes out of our mouth or our attitudes? Seriously, when was the last time you had a good old-fashioned confession time? Man, it's really quiet. It's really quiet. I hear one or two people. Amenin. But see, John is very clear. Confess our sins. What does it bring about? Freedom? Power? Peace? I know when I vomit, I feel a whole lot better afterwards. <laughs> I know when I get it out, I'm all right. I can't tell you how many times I've had good pukes and afterwards I'm like, let's go. And I'm not talking about being open about sin. I'm actually talking about the real deal. There were two times I went whitewater rafting in West Virginia and I sucked in all this brown water from Lake Somerville and I get home back to Indianapolis and I puked my guts out that night. And then I had this diverticulitis attack and... And, and I drank salt water just to get through my body, and I puked my guts out. But when I was done, I was feeling a lot better. <laughs> How about the last time you were open about impurity or hatred? Seriously, anger. Anger. And see, it brings about a freedom. My wife, I think, probably knows 99.9% .9 about me. There might be, okay, honey, I, I kicked Bowser yesterday. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you that. I, I didn't kick my dog, all right? I'm using that as an illustration. All right? There might be one thing I haven't been open about my wife about. But if I wasn't open with her, I probably was open to George about it or some of the brothers. There's no, there's, no, there's no secrets. There's no hidden things. I want to be completely open. And when I'm completely open, it's like no one's got anything on me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about being caught or someone catching me or someone knowing something or, or whatever. My life's an open book, and so there's freedom. And there's power. And there's peace. There's peace. Because I'm open. You know, I remember a number of years ago, and this is really a significant impact on my life, a, a situation that happened. I remember I was home when I was in chiropractor school, and, and it was, uh, I had like, it was like a, it, Phil Donahue was on TV. And for some of you, you have no idea who Phil Donahue was, but it's like, it, he was the precursor to like Oprah, but he was a white guy, all right? And so... He had a talk show, and it was like at, like at 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. Well, I had a class at school. I was only one class that day. I went to school, and then I went home, and, and we didn't have cable back then. And the only thing on TV was Phil Donahue. And I'm like, it's too late to go back to bed, and it's too early to study. <laughs> so I turned on, I watched Phil Donahue. And on Phil, there was this minister. And he had his Bible. And he was reading Galatians 5, 19. And I was like, oh, okay, let's watch this. 
And he was reading in this real somber, you know, oh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And boom, 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 immorality, impurity, debauchery, greed. Uh, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you, what do you think the crowd did? Well, this one little old lady s- jumped up, about Sherry's age. And she jumped up and... <laughs> and... And she takes the mic from Phil and she goes, I have not sinned. And what do you think the crowd did? <laughs> ah, yeah. A whole crowd and Phil's running around, the whole crowd's clapping, this woman's defiantly, I have not sinned. And I'm sitting there, I'm like 22 years old, and I'm like, Dude, 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 oh man, look at the pride, oh my gosh. Even I knew, even I knew everybody sins. But it, it was significant to me, because this whole crowd, they just, they didn't want to, they didn't want to engage and believe that they're sinning. The pride was astounding. And so who do we confess to? God? Fellow man? <laughs> yes. Exactly. James talks about confess your sins to one another. But I see, I believe uh, uh, the brokenness is I'm going to be open with God and I'm going to be open to those who know me. That doesn't mean you go around and Hey, Barb, guess what? You know, this is what I did last week. I just really had to be open. And hey, Gary and Liz and Carolyn and Jim and, and Carrie, oh, I'm going to be open. Nah, come on. But being open, confessing. See, walking in the light prepares us for the party. Walking in the light prepares us because, see, we've been given an honor to go to the party. And some of us will be wise. Some of us will be like, you know what, I need to get prepared. And I don't want anything dark in my life. So I want to be open, even, even when it's maybe weird attitudes or thoughts. You know, I need to get help. That's not healthy. So let me ask you a cha- let me give you a challenge this week. Get it out. Be open. If you're having attitudes or issues, if you're having, needing help, pride, talk about it. Number two. Number two way we can get ready for the party, preparation, is imitating the life of Jesus. Let's look back in 1 John chapter 2 now. 1 John chapter 2. It says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Again, he keeps that theme going. But if anyone does sin, now we have an advocate from the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation, (laughs) all right, uh, for our sins. And not only for us also, but for the sins of the whole world. And basically that means it's like, it's appeasing God with his sacrifice. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. 
Whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever, he, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So how do we want to get prepared for the party? Imitate the life of Jesus. Imitate it. I know Jesus wasn't married, and I know Jesus didn't have kids, and I know Jesus didn't drive a car, and I know Jesus probably didn't have ice days, and I know Jesus didn't do this, but you know, bottom line is, you can read about Jesus, and you can get to know Jesus. Okay, what did he do? What did Jesus say? How did Jesus act? What was his concerns? His joys, his focus. See, we follow Jesus by keeping his commands. If we're going to get prepared for the party, if we're going to be wise, we've got to look at the life of Jesus and know and understand the life of Jesus and imitate it. And it's not a burden. I'm going to read this scripture again. It's in 1 John. It says, For this is love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not hard. They're not a burden. Preparing for Jesus. Preparing for the ministry of Jesus. Getting open, being vulnerable. Knowing Jesus in his life, understanding, imitating his walk on this earth. Number three, loving the right things. I didn't say love. We all are going to love something. It's loving the right things. God made us to love. Get this, our DNA is to love. We've been, we've been fine-tuned in such a way that we're going to love something. And that's kind of cool if you think about it. Every person on this earth is going to love something. But the, chick, the trick is loving the right thing. So it's not just saying love. Learning to love the right things. Because, see, we're going to a party. Look at 1 John chapter 2. In verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. See, we must love the right things. And this is a challenge because, see, then we've got to ask for clarity. And it's going to cause us to be disciplined. And it's going to make us to get focused. And basically all these three things are examples of being wise. Having wisdom. Because we want to love the right things. 
John here talks about loving the world. You can't love the Father and love the world at the same time. You gotta, if you're loving the world, that's not good. And see, again, God made us our DNA in such that we're gonna love. And you know what the love of the world is? Competition. It's competition. For what? Your love. The love of the world is going to compete for your love for God. Why do you think we have so many magazines at the grocery store? Some of them in front of the counter and some of them behind the counter. Why? It's competing. What's pornography? Competition. What's the Academy Awards? Competition. What's your paycheck? Competition. What's your, your worldly desires or what you want to do with your life and, and, and you know, how you build things? It's competition. Desires of the flesh. Man, we can talk all day about the desires of your flesh. What's your flesh desire? Or desires. No, no, that ain't sin. <laughs> Desire of the eye. Possessiveness. I want that. And like I said, I've been reading, I read, I've been reading Napoleon and, and I've read about Catherine and Peter. And, and I, you know, these, these people were lived on a stratosphere that's way above us in the sense of they could do anything they wanted and have pretty much anything they wanted. And you know what? That's how they live their lives. Now, guess what? We probably live better than they did. Our cars are faster. We don't need light bulbs. We don't need candles. And pretty much we live in the same stratosphere as Catherine and Peter and Napoleon. Now, we might not have 400,000 fighting men, but we have a lot of power. The pride of life. And see, you've got to learn how to love the right things. And see, again, we could talk about sin. You know, I, I, I'm a covetous person. I understand that. I, want, I desire things and I want things. And, and so I wage war on that. Why am I married to one woman? Because God has blessed me with one person that I can love. And in my sinful nature, I can desire other things. But you know what? No. I'm going to resist that. I'm going to focus on the one love. But it's the same thing with the dollar bill. It's the same thing with influence and power. It's the same thing with whatever. The love of the world. And again, Shade hit on that. What's, what's the one thing? What's the one thing? Okay, thank you. All right, Jesus. All right, thank you. Amen. But Martha was all scattered brain. Let's look at 1 John now, chapter 3. Loving the right things. For this is the message, verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain. Now, he gets into this argument now, this discussion. We should not be like Cain. 
who was the, the evil one and murdered his brother. Well, wait, I haven't killed anybody. I'm not like Cain. Again, theology. You might not physically have killed someone, but if you don't love, you're killing. And he, why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed unto death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has worldly goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So what's God want us to love? Not the world. Not the things that compete for the DNA that we have. God wants us to love certainly the Father, but he wants us to show it by how we love one another. And again, we talked about this, what, last week or two weeks ago? Time. Money. Words. So how have we loved in the last couple weeks? Who have you gotten together with? What disciple are you trying to keep saved? Who are you trying to preach to? to teach about Jesus? Who perhaps have you given words of affirmation to and try to build up? But see, Jesus is calling us to love one another, loving people, certainly the way they need to be loved, not the way we want to love them. And it causes us to deny ourselves. It causes us to say no to ourselves. And in actions, in deeds, in truth and not in words you know i mentioned earlier in the lesson today that that we're going to have our special missions contribution every year this church will give special missions every year why because it makes us get out of ourselves money's not going to stay here it's going to go it's going to go to build it's going to go to it's going to go to Mexico, it's going to go to Eurasia, it's going to go to Texas. Why? Because we need to sacrifice. Okay, and if I'm going to love my brothers, that means I'm going to do it not just with words, but with actions. That means, guess what, I'm going to deny myself. That means I'm going to wait to say no to the pickup truck so I can save up money to give the special. That means maybe no to that latte, cappuccino, fraud, whatever. Because I need to save my money. But see, when we deny ourselves, because we want to deny ourselves for the greater good. Because I want to build the kingdom. I want to help my brothers and sisters. You know, here in the Northwest, we have a need. You know, Shed and Jessica did such a good job in our youth and family. They blew it out. Doubled it. And, and I'm very grateful for those who have stepped up and, and, and really trying to help meet the needs here for the next three or four months. But bottom line, we're going to get to a point where we need to probably hire someone full-time to focus on the youth and family just in the northwest region. And I appreciate that. 
But guess what? It's going to cost money. It's going to cost us denying ourselves because I'm going to love those who have kids in that age group that need help. So let me ask you this question. How's your giving been? No, seriously. How's your giving been this year? Do you know right now the Dallas church is giving less than we gave last year? Right now. And it's such an indicator of our level of sacrifice. Our, it's our indicator of our desire to build something greater than ourselves. So for the last seven weeks, we have been giving less. And it's really easy to, to figure it out. You just go through your checkbook and say, hey, have I given eight times this year? And if the answer is no, then you've got to ask yourself why. Do I love the world? Do I love the world more than I love my brothers and sisters? So how do you prepare for Jesus? I read my Bible and I pray. No! You can't say that. Because it doesn't make us French. But see, some of us are going to bang on the door. Let us in. Let us in. But I never knew you. And see, we're all invited to the party. We've all been given the honor to celebrate. You know what happened in, the, in these early wedding ceremonies? The, 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 the um, bride would be with her bridesmaids, and they'd be at her house, one like your house. It's probably a one-room, mud, wood, brick-type structure set you know, together within a bigger area, bigger room. And they'd all be sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And the bridegroom would leave his house and with his entourage or whoever would come, they would walk over to the bridesmaid's house to get the bride and then walk back to the party where they're going to have the wedding ceremony at the groom's house, bridegroom's house. And so these women would sit there and wait and wait and wait with their oil, with their flask, because it was at night, and they were going to be in a procession taking the lights along the alleys to the bridegroom's house. But see, five didn't have the oil. Five didn't have enough oil. Five weren't prepared. And so they had to leave the party, the pre-party, and they had to go, and they had to go buy oil. And then the bridegroom shows up, and then the five were able to go with the bridegroom, with the bride and the music and the procession and, and walking and joyfully excited, going into the home, closing the door, having a big celebration with food and music and a great time. And then there's banging on the door, banging on the gate. And see, in our sinful nature, we'd be like, come on in. We're Christians. There's grace. But see, in a lot of these stories, you had your chance. You had your chance. For years, you had your chance. But you're foolish because you didn't prepare. 
You didn't spend time. You weren't open. You didn't imitate my son. You didn't love the right things. I had to look at my notes because I didn't remember what the third one was. And guess what we love? We're made to love. But see, we, we love the wrong things. We love our way. We love our pride. Perhaps we love something that we see on the boob tube. Perhaps we see something, we get a check, and it's affirmation of how much money and power we have. Maybe it's a relationship. Now, the cool thing about Christianity is that this is the religion of second chances. We're not dead. We're listening. We have ears to hear. So my question is, how, what do you do to get prepared for Jesus? Many of you get prepared for work. You get prepared to work out. What do you do to prepare for Jesus? So I hope this has been a challenge. I hope this is something that we evaluate. That we think about, what do I need to do on a daily basis to prepare my heart? Because you know what? I've been invited to the party. And I want my light to shine brightly. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father, our God, we come to you now at this time humbled and grateful. God, thank you for the opportunity to get in the Word and to evaluate our hearts. God, thank you for all those who are here. For those who are sick, we pray for them. Help them, strengthen them. God, at the same time, um, those who are traveling, to pray for safety. Father, we pray for spring, but not for summer. We love you. We're grateful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs>